This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. Um, my name is Mireille Miller-Young. I'm a professor in feminist studies at UCSB, and my work is on black feminism and the politics of visual culture and sexual culture. And I'm so happy to be here with Yolanda Brinkley, who's the founder of Diversity in Han, and Wendy L.A. Jackson, who's a colleague here, professor here at UCSB, and a filmmaker. Thank you so much for coming to watch this incredible series of short films, which included a film from Wendy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to, I'll start with you, Wendy, to ask you more about the documentary you made, which was the first film in the series that we watched, uh, called The Invitation. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy to see it because uh, I'm hungry as a professor for any kind of historical documentary centering black women. And to have footage and to have like them in their own voices narrating their lives. Mm-hmm. And to really focus on the kind of importance of thinking through intersectionality, the fact that they're women, that they're black, that they're working people, and that in the process of creating community, you have to also fight racism. Right. Right? So I, I wanted to ask you what you learned from the process of making that film. And also, as a UCSB professor, can you tell us, were there any UCSB connections to the filmmaking as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. <laughs> Animation was done by my student, um, Marcella Frisna. Oh. And uh, I was so happy. Marcella was graduating last December when I first got this call to ask if I would do it. And we'll talk about how fast it, the turnaround was. But I called him and I said, I can't, there can't be any conflict of interest because I want to pay you. And um, I shared with him what the story was. And he said, no, I, I'd really be honored to do it. And um, he lowballed himself. And that was my, I, I don't know if it was me being the professor or the mom that said, I never, you're so talented. You are worth. This is the animator who did this all those the really cool drawings. This is the animator did all of that. And so yeah. I said, you know, no, Marcella, let me, let me introduce you to what the comma looks like. All right. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, I believe you go to, you attend school, you're, you're researching, you're learning, mm-hmm. um, that when you come out, you're a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I want to make sure you get your just due, whether you've been doing this for a year or 10 years. This is, you are, mm-hmm. you are of value. And um, see how I was much just we happy. love you as professors. We love our students so much. <laughs> we do. We, we'll we give love you our, our first job if we can. <laughs> you know, here's what I learned about this in doing this. And although um, I know a lot about the organization, <laughs> what I didn't know, it's the power of what two women with a vision mm. can do to go from a kitchen table to now 17,000 women. They are the puppet masters behind a lot of public, public policy making changes behind the scenes. So when we talk about community, we're not just talking about our zip codes. We're talking mm-hmm. about our love for, um, un- unapologetically for our people and the more people benefit from that. Mm-hmm. But what, when you come together as friends and you have a vision, what that vision can do. Mm-hmm. And so um, I wanted to make sure that people could see 
who are the, their honorary links only because they didn't go through the same process, but they were asked to join. And it goes all the way up from, you know, my dear friend Stacey Abrams. Uh, uh, Stacey to Abrams, I was our, me cheering, sorry. <laughs> to our Vice President of the United States. And so um, these wow. are um, amazing women from behind the scenes that mm. are, you know, um, all walks of life, as Simone Sanders mentioned, that have made huge differences. Mm. Did you, by the way, um, you know, get to interview any surprising people for this or uh, anything kind of uh, interesting Cory Booker, in and by the way, this was made during COVID. Oh, wow. So there were still mask mandates. There were, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot. I had to go. Um, mm-hmm. One of the producers got sick. She couldn't come. And so I begged my husband, who's uh, out there. Hi, sweetie. It's my husband, Maynard Jackson the third. And I said, listen, I need you to produce with me. And so we mm-hmm. took a skeleton crew I'd worked with, um, Henry Adebanajo, who was our DP. Henry mm-hmm. had uh, been, nom- he's been nominated now for two Academy mm-hmm. Awards. Um, I am, he did I Am oh. Not Your Negro with Raul Peck. Um, and he had done uh, Maynard, but he also had done Black Like Me. So Henry's been around. Mm-hmm. Um, my dear friend, Brian Chen, it's amazing what you can do in... So for my students, I did this documentary in 10 weeks while I was teaching you. Wow. Flying. That is amazing. <laughs> From start to finish, that was clearances, that was interviews, that was flying to, you know, to D.C., that was being on a, you know, being COVID compliance. It was just a, 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 just a lot. And I'm, mm-hmm. sometimes you're a, a writer, director, and you're for hire. I was for hire. Um, to, to get this done, and you had to be uh, vetted. So I'm vetted by the U.S. Senate. I'm vetted by... There was one piece mm-hmm. that you all didn't get a chance to see. It didn't make the film with President Obama, so vetted for that. Wow. Uh, he would have been my third president and a doc that I'd done. But it's, it's a, it was a lot of work. I think I gained 20 pounds, and my husband loved me through it. And, and then we were able... I, you know, I, I shared with Yolanda, hey, we just finished... Um, our doc, and she was just like, oh, I'd love to see it. And it was Diversity and Con was the first film festival that started, and now we're, we've got about, uh, I think it's a total of 18 laurels. So, Fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks. Well, this is a perfect segue to <laughs> Yolanda. We're so excited to learn about Diversity and Cons, that the fact that it exists, um, and it's interesting because it, Con didn't create it. You created it. <laughs> and, you know, I think this is a moment where um, the entertainment industry is getting much more pressure to respond to diversity. But you started this before that was popular. So could you talk a bit about, you know, how did this come to be? How did you come to create this program? And what was the response when you started it? Thank you so much, uh, Me Ray, for the question. And I just want to add, not only did they not start it, they don't recognize it still wow. <laughs> to this day. So it's like, this is, the, this is the Cannes Film Festival, and I'm set up right next to it, like right there, like on the porch, if wow. you will. <laughs> this is the festival, and I'm right on the porch. Right. Mm-hmm. And so even to this day, they don't recognize diversity and can I've had talks with them in the past two years, mm-hmm. but it's very contentious, the conversation. But never, nevertheless, <gasps> okay. yes. We're going to hold that there. Okay, keep going. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but nevertheless, minutes. in mm-hmm. 20, 
2009 was my first trip to the Cannes Film Festival. Mm -hmm. Despite knowing the language, knowing the city, as I studied abroad there as an undergrad, I still felt like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Had a video camera, walked up on all the people who looked like me, asked questions, what are you doing here? How do you get tickets to this? How do you get tickets to the screenings yeah. and the parties? No one knew anything. And so as a PR professional, I'm accustomed to figuring out how things work and how things operate. And the fact that I didn't know, that kind of bothered me. Mm-hmm. When I left or as I'm leaving the festival, I'm like, eh, maybe this is not the place for me. But then I decided that nobody decides what's the place for me. I decide for myself. And in 2010, Diversity in Cannes was born. You see, you got the amen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yes. You decide. I did. And I mean, how? How did you do it? How did you so start? So when I left and then in 2010, it's funny because I wasn't sure what it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to give a shout out to a guy named Rashid Bahadi because in that mm-hmm. first year he was doing something um, at Freak 360 and he was awarding mm-hmm. um, an African delegation an award and Danny Glover was there but we kept mm-hmm. moving around and we didn't have a set location so when I was thinking about the well before it was before there was a name when I was thinking about a movement and initiative I thought mm-hmm. about having it be Blacks in Can. Mm-hmm. diversity in can. I went through several iterations of it. The year in 2010, I was waiting to mm-hmm. figure, well, one, I didn't have a budget. So let's just start there. I didn't mm-hmm. have any money. I was paying for it mm-hmm. out of my own pocket. So I didn't have mm-hmm. money to bring people to can to, mm-hmm. to participate. And so mm-hmm. I tried to reach out to some black filmmakers. Are you going to can, you know, do you have any plans? And no one had any set plans. And it was, well, if my film gets into can, then I'll yeah. go. And so the whole few months leading up to it, I couldn't get a concrete answer for anyone. So when they made the announcements for the official selections for all of the programs, which happens in May, so approximately one month before the festival starts, they make their announcements. And this was really before social media was active, but it wasn't as, you know, prominent. What I did was when they made the announcements, I I looked through, I combed through, and Mm -hmm. I found two filmmakers, Michael Rowe, he's an Australian Mm -hmm. filmmaker living in Mexico, Mm -hmm. and Felipe Bragancia, a Brazilian filmmaker, and they both said yes. Michael Rowe went on to win the Golden Camera Award, but they both said yes, so then I was like, oh, well, we're going to do diversity in Cannes, and Mm -hmm. it's going to be a cross-cultural symposium. Okay. So that's really Fantastic. how it started. And I had a Native American moderator named Tracy Rector out of mm-hmm. um, Seattle. And that's how it started. And we were in the Majestic Hotel with about 7 to 15 people in attendance wow. during the first <laughs> event. Oh, my God. We got to start somewhere. Yeah, it was a beautiful venue, but there were about 15 people. But you had so many challenges. Khan was not participating. They weren't interested to hear well, from you or ask, facilitate. I didn't even ask them at, at the onset. I didn't ask. I didn't, because it wasn't really about them. Yeah. It was about figuring out or providing an intimate platform for these people who look like me mm-hmm. or who wanted to expand their international network mm-hmm. to be seen and heard on the ground in Cannes. Wow. So it wasn't necessarily about them. And today, to tilt this day, it's still really not about them. Now it's mm-hmm. about filmmakers from underrepresented groups telling stories specific to marginalized popul- populations mm-hmm. to 
expand their international network, learn the film business, and understand that there's a potential market for their films outside of their native land, mm -hmm. outside or beyond the borders of their, you know, their geographic borders, their self-imposed mm -hmm. borders, any borders that they think exist, right. there's opportunities outside of that. So Isn't that what festivals are kind of for? I mean, for those of us outside of the film industry, We've heard of these festivals and like Sundance and things, but it, it seems like festivals are crucial for filmmakers to get platformed in some way. Is Especially that? those with film markets. What so does that mean? A for film us? market is where you do the business of film, where you're right. attempting to sell your films. Uh, there's sales agents, there's distributors on site. Okay. So Cannes has a film market attached right. to it. At Sundance, mm -hmm. there's no official film market, but films are being uh, sold okay. on the ground there. So mm. it's crucial. Then you learn the business. The more you come, the more you learn the business, the more you learn who the players are geographically mm -hmm. and across the various regions of mm -hmm. the world. So it sounds like Khan has been really slow to incorporate diversity even now in 2022. In 2022. In 2020, I want to say, it was 2021, they reached out to me for the very first time wow. and they only reached out to me because, and I'm going to call it out. Sorry. I'm going to call it out. All right. I like to be transparent mm -hmm. in my, in my efforts to help you understand the, not even just the, the, the trajectory. Okay. Um, in 2021, they reached out because a guy from the Berlin film festival, the European film market, mm -hmm. he had a conversation with them and he they were talking to him about diversity and inclusion. He was mm -hmm. like, well, you can't talk about diversity and inclusion at Cannes without talking to Yolanda Brinkley. And so that's, right. that's the only reason we had the conversation. I was very specific in my request. I said, don't just give them my information. Send an email. Copy all of us on it so I know they mm -hmm. at least received it. Okay. And so I spoke with them. And even in 2021... They don't want to call it diversity and inclusion. They want to call it impact. And they, they have impact programming. And they want to talk about countries with, with little access. So the Eastern European blocks. That's included. In yeah. The and so, yeah. But if you mm -hmm. drop a person from Slovenia in France, mm -hmm. they're going to look like the people in France. Mm -hmm. Right. You only yeah. know once they start speaking or if you ask the mm -hmm. questions, that's still the same thing. Like I understand access, but if we're talking about impact, let's mm -hmm. really talk about impact. And you're not going to talk to me about impact. You're going to talk to me about diversity and inclusion. That's right. <laughs> if we're, if we're, if we're going to have a conversation. It. That's right. So that's kind of where we stand. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I was invited to the Locarno Film Festival this mm. year in Switzerland mm. as a result of a panel that I was on at the UK Pavilion in Cannes this past May. Mm. And several of the representatives from the Cannes film market were there. So it was And awesome. how did they so treat you? Awesome. Did they, they, they had to recognize how they, important they you were. They definitely recognized, mm -hmm. you know, me and I introduced myself and we had a little conversation, but, okay. you know. Now, at, at this point, after making the video and doing the campaign about the black women, because first mm -hmm. of all, diversity in Cannes is not just about race. 
It's mm -hmm. about all the underrepresented, marginalized people. Mm -hmm. So we're talking race, religion, yeah. sexual orientation. Queer so, Yes, okay. LGBTQ+, mm -hmm. plus, mm -hmm. diversity of thought, age, okay. and class. Okay. So we're talking about all those things. Mm -hmm. But in 75 years, they've had one black woman in official competition. Back then. Yeah. And it just stuck out to me this year. And then that's how Wendy and I kind of came up with the idea to do a celebration of black women in film mm -hmm. this year at the festival. I could take that number or any, any population. I could do Asian. I could do Latina. Mm -hmm. I can do um, physically disabled women. Yep. The issue remains. But the black woman's, that number could stand out. I didn't have to do any research on that. I it's don't know clear. any other film festival that has such poor numbers for well, they, diversity and inclusion. They I all mean. have poor numbers as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Some mm. do better than others. Yeah. For um, example, Berlin or even Sundance is Sundance a bit better. Sundance does great. Uh, Toronto, Toronto does, does better. Um, but one in 75 years, I mean, we have Ama Asanta. We even have, the Oscars. You know, we have Uzan Palsy. Yeah. We have, you know, Emerging, mm -hmm. Lena Waithe. We That's have right. Gina Prince-Bythewood, you mm -hmm. know. And so there's, mm -hmm. there are women who are filmmakers who are black. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I just decided to take a stand this, right. this year and, and make it happen. But in making that video, I decided that my goal, while you want to dismantle the patriarchy, my goal is now not to fight the establishment. Like, I'm tired of trying to fight the establishment. Mm -hmm. The goal is to empower these filmmakers to make opportunities for themselves, even when it feels hopeless. Mm -hmm. The goal is to just power forward and... I, I can't keep wow. bouncing up against a brick wall. And so can is a, And can is a brick wall for me. Yeah. It's their loss, but it infuriates me because um, we're still here in this place where mm -hmm. black people and people of color are the primary creators of culture in the world. And there's no stopping the way in which our culture gets exploited for profit, mm -hmm. appropriated for profit, um, and used. And, but yet we can't be in front of our own creations. Um, I wonder if you could share a bit too, Wendy, like, what's your frustration about... <laughs> I see your face. <laughs> but can you share, I'm like, like, this let's is share, share a little bit of your frustration? <laughs> this is on your I'm very later. aware of a hot mic and a hot camera. Okay. Um, <laughs> as much as you can. So change has to happen from the top. Okay. All right? And I often, I understand that sometimes revelation should come from the top bottom because they get mad when revolution comes from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. uh, until, I'll give you an example, Oscar So White, which shut down the Golden Globes. Right, there you go. Right? That Sometimes, was around, what, four years ago? Four years. Mm -hmm. Four years. Mm -hmm. And now a network this year wouldn't even carry them. Um, our sisters and brothers over there haven't gotten that memo. So, but with a collective group together um, those voices can be known but you have to you have there has to be a movement and enough people need to sign on to make a, a real impact worldwide because Cannes is a, a world a global festival it's a it's a destination point for filmmakers so until those people that sit on those boards 
um, are made to probably feel very uncomfortable, yeah. you won't see change. And that's, that's just true. the truth. Yeah, with the Golden Globes, there was a lot of pressure on the Hollywood foreign press. Absolutely. For a lot of um, kind of uh, corrupt behavior, but right. also um, wheeling and dealing on the behalf of certain films, certain mm -hmm. stars that were necessarily leaving people out, but also was corrupt. It and sounds like it's a that, similar situation. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen to some of our, in our bigger film festivals, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's part of the business. You, you, it's, it's, it's a part of the business. But you do, the difference here is uh, there are some brands, if you will, that understand the power of the dollar. Mm -hmm. And uh, missing that and voicing um, collectively uh, opposition to being mishandled, mistreated, and misrepresented, um, you're starting to see very slow, I call it a drip change. Mm -hmm. But the great thing about anything that drips into a bucket, as long as it doesn't have a hole in it, it is that up. it will fill up. And at some point, at that spillover moment, that's when you see. It's mm -hmm. not until sometimes threatened with uh, annihilation, it's at the precipice of change that mm -hmm. human nature is forced to yes. evolve. And that's the same thing that has to happen um, with underrepresented filmmakers. That's right. Mm -hmm. And who was it said that power concedes nothing without a demand, you know, <laughs> right? I, I, it's interesting because I, uh, I had my own experience, I had this really great idea for a film. I will tell you because it's still, I still have this idea. <laughs> I'm going to like retire from being a professor with my film idea one day. Yeah. And, um, but I, you know, I pitched it to a, a, a producer friend of mine. This is, you know, almost around the time that you were starting this film. And he, he, he's like, I love you, Mireille, but like, haha, because we don't spend money on like, black films like that because they're not going to sell abroad like the, he made this whole argument about the only black actor that will make money in Asia or Europe is Will Smith which mm. is kind of funny where Will Smith is right now but aside from that but I think that you know yeah. that that was it and then I remember I saw him when um uh, Black Panther came out and I was absolutely. like what, what was that about black films and actors can't Ab sell again <laughs> didn't that film just kind of break the, the, oh, the roof and the ceiling what Ryan Coogler was able to do mm -hmm. with the backing of it let me say this mm -hmm. for, for films um, done by black people there is a concerted effort amongst some, some educational distributors to create community awareness and activism so through churches and different communities and other organizations, huh. they help to get that word out. And uh, whoever, that marketing arm, if you will, behind um, Black Panther, for another film that I did, the guy that did the key art, um, Art Sims, who also did the key art for Do the Right Thing and oh, so wow. on and so forth, but he had done Black Panther, and he was just like, it's amazing how many posters Marvel had me do because they wanted to be able to make sure they had that representation. Well, that was a it was a, a beautiful film, and if you even haven't if you haven't seen The Woman King by Regina Prince Blythewood, yes. it's an amazing film mm -hmm. uh, it's as well. Amazing reviews. But it there is an arm. There's there's got to be that marketing arm and that mm -hmm. marketing push, and every film has that upward uh, battle. But um, Ryan Coogler really turned Hollywood on its head. And mm -hmm. to that point, and let me say this because I'm originally from Atlanta, they said the same thing to Tyler Perry. Oh, you know, your films won't make any money. We're at $900 million later, $900 million that he owns. 
his IP. Wow. He owns the largest production facility in the mm -hmm. state of Georgia. And Georgia's the number one place to do motion picture and television in the world. So don't say that what we can't do, it's mm -hmm. just the vision and to your point, Yolanda, is that you don't worry about, as he would, as Tyler Perry so eloquently said it, while you're out there trying to get a seat at the table in Hollywood, mm -hmm. I'm gonna be in Atlanta making my own. Wow. Right? And he did it on his and he own did. terms. And he did so it on his own terms. So this sounds like what you're doing, So it's doing, the same Yolanda. thing what she's doing. Yolanda, because yeah, except creating I, your own. Except I had, you don't zero, have the I had zero dollars. <laughs> yes. And I'm still clawing, clawing mm -hmm. my way through. And my business manager yes. over there, Kelly Dow, told me one time, she said, well, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. But I could not, I could not, <laughs> she said that to me, but I could not let it go. I could yes. not let it go. And 14 mm -hmm. years later, we're still at it, just with a different approach, different set of goals. At one point, I wanted the door, the can door to open, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. even as I'm pitching the idea mm -hmm. and seeking supporters, you know, folks are like, well, who have you, who, who, who's been on the panel? You know, have you had any stars, any celebrities? And so you, you try to get things and people to validate your position. Mm -hmm. But as long as the filmmakers are still supporting diversity and can, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter mm -hmm. who else supports. I am lucky and grateful to have the support of Academy Award winners, um, Viola Davis's production company, oh. Juvie Productions, wow. as a sponsor. Mm -hmm. I don't know Ms. Mm -hmm. Davis, but the, the sponsorship comes from her mm -hmm. husband, Julius Tennant, and the VP of Development, Kaylin Hunt. So I am excited mm -hmm. and grateful for their support. But for the most part, the diversity and CAM movement was built by my funds initially, and then the funds of the filmmakers who submit their projects, and then personal friends who support me. And when I, when I cry for money, they give it to me. <laughs> Can I you teach me like how to that. cry like that? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Listen, my friends, they have no interest in the Cannes Film Festival. They don't even know where the Cannes Film Festival is. But if I say, hey, can you go watch these films? I'm having an online screening and I'm about to launch a campaign because we're mm -hmm. producing our first short film um, within the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. And I'm having a 100 people times $100. And I have a, like a list of about 250 people that I think will give me $100. So we're going to see how that works. Listen, <laughs> We're going to see how that fundraising works. Is, is not for the faint at heart. I, no. In the words of my father-in-law, I'd rather sell pencils <laughs> yes. than to, mm -hmm. to raise funding. But let me say this to you, and this is, I, I really do mean this from the heart. There's a quote by a man by the name of Dr. Benjamin E. Mays, who was the president of Morehouse College and where, when, at the time that Martin Luther King Jr. was there, and he says, it must be born in the mind that tragedy does not lie in not reaching your goal. The tragedy lies in having no goal to reach. Yeah. Not failure, but low aim is sin. Yeah. Mm. You keep pushing those. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it really is impressive that you listened to that inner voice and pursued it. And we're here like 12 years later, going on 13 about... Are you already planning for next spring? And I am. I'm always planning for next spring. Mm -hmm. Submissions are open for the Diversity in Cannes Short Film mm -hmm. Showcase now. And I'm actually in conversation with the British Film Institute mm -hmm. to do another celebration of black women in film um, 
this this year coming up. So we have to figure out what it looks like, mm -hmm. but we are in conversations to have it. And I just have to shout out the British Film Institute because they they don't they hear me. And they keep having conversations with me, whether they like it or not, or whether they like the movement or not. They understand mm -hmm. the point behind it, and they are mm -hmm. open to the conversation. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate those who are open to hearing it. It seems that, you know, you really have to find those kind of special supporters who understand some, the, the significance of independent film, significance of people of color, black people in particular as filmmakers and the, the important voice they have, the important um, uh, kind of insight. And, you know, in watching the films tonight, I felt like each of them spoke to something that felt familiar, <laughs> you know, but that you don't normally see. And I love the fact that they were this short format, which kept it, you know, kind of fresh. It seems very hard to even find that format. Like, on streaming, even, you would think there would be more short films. So, you know, there's, there are certain networks now trying to buy into it. Um, mm -hmm. HBO Max uh, has mm -hmm. uh, Netflix. But typically, short films have had to find their own way um, mm -hmm. to, for distribution, right? Um, and it really doesn't matter who, who does it. Uh, New York Opdocs does a really good job for, uh, for docs, and that's when you get... Why, to your point about the film markets, every film festival um, doesn't have a market, you know. So when you start thinking about those, the big ones, the Tellurides and the, mm. um, the, the Sundance. And Sundance, and by the way, it's the most expensive film festival I've ever attended in my entire life. I could go to Disney World with 10 kids and wow. not spend that kind of money. <laughs> Um, but then the, oh, well, you were coming, you were coming. Well, I was, so I was coming to Cannes for those that don't know. So I was coming to Cannes and, um, the week before my husband tested positive for COVID. Hmm. Well, you know, I've known my husband for 46 years. We're, you know, we get down like that. So if he got it, that means I was going to get it. <laughs> I got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we recovered, and the producers, the executive producers, came. Yeah. Um, but you but missed the festival. I missed of the COVID? festival. I was, what uh, I, was I was out of was a the ticket. Pri the price. Oh, the price. Yeah. The so you said you hadn't been to how much it like, cost? It's a lot. I mean, well, I don't know what. Oh my God! So let's think about pounds. Euros. Versus and, and euros. euros, euros, yeah. Well, so we were going to go to London and then you know yeah. come down. No, no, out of a lot of money, but we made up for it this summer. Just for one week, I found a way to spend it all. Um, okay, <laughs> you got to spend your money. But it, that the price is prohibitive for people who are just experimental filmmakers, students, working class folks. Do it yourself. Uh, how would anybody be able to afford even to like show your film in a festival like this? So, so I had, I mean, having gone for the past uh, 13, 14 years, it is doable. It is expensive, but you can do it for as little, for, not for as What's little, little, but you can, do it, <laughs> you can do it for a couple thousand, maybe like 2,000. So you'd have to stay in Nice, but you could still do it. So the lower end, you have to stay in Nice and then ride a bus if you can get on bus. the bus. If, if can, but if Cannes is your ultimate destination, then you find a way or you make one to get there if that's your interest. Or you mm -hmm. can do it for as much as you like. You can stay at the Majestic Hotel. You can fly first that's class across the waters. So I it can do be that. done. It can be done. I tell people cost? if you have the money 
and you'd like to attend, please do because then you get an opportunity to meet people. Well, that let me say this. Because, <laughs> see, I, 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 I teach them. Right. And I know what their, some of their wallets look like. Yes. yes. But, but if they are spending, if they take the money, if, of course, if you're going to make a film, use the money to make a film. Don't come yes. to Cannes if you're going to make a film. But if you're buying lattes every day, you're going to the Chick-fil-A line every day, save some of those coins and come to Cannes if you are trying That's to true. invest, in, invest in your film, in your mm-hmm. global film career. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth it. A lot of people say, well, I'm not going to come until I have something in That's the, right. in the official um, festival. Mm-hmm. What's the likelihood that you're going to have, and I believe A anything is can. possible. I believe anything is possible. Mm-hmm. But what's the likelihood that you're going to have something in a festival? So you mean to tell me you're going to miss out coming to the south of France, mm-hmm. the Mediterranean as your backdrop, only to, because they haven't picked your film? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to pick your film. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole business <laughs> of film there. There's a yeah. whole entire film business with people, with thousands of people, tens of thousands of people outside of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Don't block your blessing waiting for the patriarchy to accept you. Okay. Now, some, you will be accepted. Some people will. Spike Lee, Bill Duke, uh, you know. That one black woman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, Maddie, Maddie Dia. Right? So you, you will be selected. Right. But the likelihood is, is slim to none. So mm-hmm. my, my, my point is, mm-hmm. take it into your own hands. If you're interested in a global film mm-hmm. career, then you're going to need to make some sacrifices. Just as an example, the High John film. Yeah. That's a like film that. directed by Jordan Pitt. And uh, who was the actor? With he was also the actor mm-hmm. and the director, as well as mm-hmm. um, oh, Sendita, Sendita. Man, oh, Serena. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> it's the, the woman. But that's a, that's a collaboration between a writer that I met mm-hmm. in Atlanta, Jordan, who I met in Cannes years ago, mm-hmm. and they 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 work together based on their relationship with me. And so the more you expose yourself to different people and different organizations. Like she's in Atlanta, Jordan's in the UK. They probably would have never met, right? For it not having been the the connection. So you are making connections with people that you may not meet on a on a on a normal basis. So. Festivals are. I've done a lot of film festivals, mm-hmm. um, and and festivals are definitely good that way. And to your point, you're right. Everybody has a vice. You sacrifice your vice. There's the five P's. Proper planning prevents poor performance. So you can't save the money and go. Um, (laughs) But let me say this. For my filmmakers, Mm -hmm. if you know that you want to be, look at some of the festivals that you'd like to enter. Look at what the entry fee is, as well as put that as a part of your budget. Right? Um, My mentor, Sam Pollard, does not go any place on his own dime. Mm -hmm. So... He will either, either the festival has to take, bring him in, or there's marketing and promotional budget for that. But as a filmmaker, you're not just thinking about your film, the business of film, and that's where the, I suggest people attend the PGA conferences, which is open to even non-PGA. One of the things that they teach you is add that to your budget, especially as an independent filmmaker. Add that to your budget. Is PGA Producers Guild? Producers okay. Guild Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's a lot of information. 
uh, given out, whether you're you know, PGA, DGA, SAG, all of those different things. But I can tell you as a, a person that's worn a lot of hats, um, as a producer, the best way to do it is to put it as a part of your budget. The, the other film that I did that was for Netflix, Maynard, we had that built in. And one, what I did was I established relationships with brands, mm -hmm. right? So I asked Delta, I need 10 round trip tickets hmm. anywhere in the world for my director, myself, and two producers. But I negotiated all of these up front. At the same time, hey, while you're doing this, I also need, and this is under diversity and inclusion, I also need my film played on Delta Airlines. Delta Airlines is the, number, is the largest air, domestic airline in the United States. So oh. for one year, my first film, and Netflix had to wait It was for, on the TV thing? And it the, was on the, the TV thing oh, on cool. Delta Airlines yeah. for an entire year, right? So there are different ways. And so now I'm talking, I'm, I'm working, I'm trying to establish something with Delta. Um, I have a deal with participant media by saying, let's talk about putting shorts. Mm -hmm onto Delta Airlines, yeah. curated for people of color because it's not one group of people or diverse people flying your airline, right? I would so, love that because sometimes you don't want to watch a whole movie. Well, it's the one time your ADD also, it just has to relax yeah, and, you're, and you're say, more, here's we are. Uh, like, you know, I experiment more. I watch more films than I wouldn't normally at home when I'm yeah, on and, the and plane. Mm -hmm. That's perfect for shorts. It's I like a perfect that idea. It's a perfect place to watch short films. You have a dedicated, mm -hmm. you know, for, for um, my family, mm -hmm. we're flying back and forth to the East Coast. You know, yeah. I spend time napping, sometimes looking out the window. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, what haven't I seen? And those people mm -hmm. tend to pull, to, surprisingly enough, airlines are no longer curating blockbuster films. They're looking for the independent films. Huh. And so what I'm trying to create is a partnership between a studio an impact studio, ha ha, participant <laughs> media, um, but a studio Let's and just an airline not use impact to say, anymore. Can't we're not going to use impact. It. I'm throwing that away. Just, yeah. just a little. Okay. Just right. had to. Um, okay, thank you. But to curate <laughs> short films, right? So it doesn't have to be. And they're great films. I've seen films shot on an iPhone, right? Yes. That have been beautifully made, wonderfully mm -hmm. done. Um, but as a filmmaker, you have to get creative. But um, you know, for one of the classes that I teach here, 106, I'm always telling them, okay, I need to talk to the producers because here's where you need to add to your budget. You want to do film festivals? Mm -hmm. Here's what you need to add to that. Okay. You know, those, you have to think your way through and be very creative about how you get your film marketed and out there. I have one more question before we're going to open up to Q&A. And that question is, in like a perfect world, like... Just say you can have, like, your dream come true. Like, it's granted, fairy godmother. Um, <laughs> you know, what would you want to happen to empower black women in film, yourselves as included? You Magic wand you wishes. Okay, so Go. Um, unapologetically... I would like, I have this philosophy where I am in my life. I have more runway possibly behind me than in front of me. Hmm. Well, it's the truth. I mean, numerically speaking, it's the truth. Summers. I got 25 summers. Well, I'm over 50. I have an AARP card. <laughs> um, I would like to 
empower women through storytelling by A, that's why I'm here at UCSB. Yeah. I love my students and I want them to be the very, very best. And I even, um, how they can tell you, I give them probably a little too much access to me because I to get text messages at two, three o'clock when they're playing games over in Ivy. <laughs> but I want to, yeah, you guys know it's true. Um, but I want to teach them the power of storytelling. Um, I had a situation, and this is a good example. My husband and I had optioned a New York Times bestseller for three years. And 50% of the book is about um, my husband's family. And it was optioned, the option was taken away from us and given to a, a different storyteller. Mm. And I was so upset, and it was about money. This particular person didn't need the money because they're on the billionaire list. <laughs> um, but they wanted more money from us, and we just didn't have it at that time. And I was so upset. And that, that night, it was the Emmy. It was actually last year. It was at the, um, my showrunner for a show that I, I've done uh, called Ella and Marilyn. Debbie Allen told, you know, she was giving, getting the governor's award. Um, but later, she would text me and say, no one, you have a voice. Be very creative, but use that voice and make sure with that voice you empower other people. That's part of my purpose. Mm -hmm. My purpose is to empower um, not just my African-American daughters, but all of my daughters, right? Mm -hmm. To teach them the power of their story. Mm -hmm. Do you have to write a script in English? No, but you do need to translate it for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Right? Um, and to give them that power and let them know that all things are possible, but you just can't give up. Nobody ever talks about, everybody talks about being the first and the glass ceiling breaker, but nobody talks about the headache that person had to get to do it. I'm willing to have that headache to make sure that others that are behind me get that opportunity. And that's what I hope that they pay forward. Right? That's beautiful. And you didn't even need a magic wand, you're already doing it. <laughs> I love that. Good on that. So if I had a magic wand mm. and I had a message for black women, I think it would be just you are worthy, you are enough, and helping them see their value without mm. waiting for validation, without waiting for mm. permission. Um, I would just empower, help empower them to do what they do best. There's all kinds of things, black girl magic, uh, win with black women. All those things are true. They are true indeed, and I just want us to understand our worth even when people don't see it. You know, we are the mothers of many things, and you look back in history, and we still have the power to do great things and do them without validation. So, like, that's really kind of mm -hmm. where I am with it. Um, just as mm -hmm. I struggle to, to build an initiative on the ground, sometimes I feel unworthy. Sometimes I feel as if nobody sees me. I sometimes feel invisible in these efforts. Yeah. But I, I just keep going because I think it's going to get greater later. So I hope that other women... And not just black women. I mm -hmm. am a black woman and I'm representing black women right mm -hmm. now. But any marginalized, underrepresented group, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it, whatever group you belong to, you are worthy, you are worth it, you are enough, un enough, and take your power back. 
My Thank producer so once much. told me validation is for parking. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so don't wait to be validated. Exactly. Don't wait to be validated. Gosh, I am hearing that. It's ringing true to me as well. So we're going to sure. take questions. Um, my question is, so you said that there's only been one black woman director who's been um, honored at the Cannes Festival, to my understanding. In competition. In competition. Okay. So um, what number are we comparing that to? Because I understand that the festival has been going on for a very long time. It's been one black woman in competition in 75 years, in the 75-year history of the festival. And so just mm -hmm. to understand the Cannes Film Festival, they have several components, the um, uncertain regard, the competition, um, special screenings, and then the films that are in competition, they, you know, they're up for the prizes and what have mm -hmm. you. But in competition, where they're selected to compete for the prizes mm -hmm. and for the awards, there's only been one black woman. Like I said, it's uh, Maddie Dia in 2019. And they have many categories within that competition? No, or is it just one? So the in the competition is just all the films. Okay. You know, and there's several several awards. Yeah. You know, actor, actor best director, director, best director, a whole bunch of okay. things, Golden That's Camera film. Award, etc. Then there's other sections okay. for for official selections. Right. Okay. So, but within the competition, within all those different kinds of categories, as far as you know, it's been. No, it's not as what? far as I know, as far as the world you knows. Know. The world knows. There's been one. There's the world. This the expert yes. right here. So, Yes. That's a pretty abysmal statistic. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Hey, Hi. Lola. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for being here. This is really exciting. I would like to know how you as black women have learned to claim your space when people are pushing against you because people are constantly pushing against you. So. <laughs> Great question. I've never been aggressive. I'm actually an introvert with extrovert tendencies. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm, I'm not very much so um, uh, that person, but I think what I realized is that as long as I was willing to live in the shadows, um, then no one would ever see me, right? Right now I can tell you I have a film, I have a documentary on Amazon, I've got one most watched on, in CBS history, Welcome to Pine Lake streaming on Paramount Plus. And what I realized, I've been a voice to help others for so long that it took my family, primarily my husband, it's time for you to step into your own light and not be afraid of unapologetically. It's like you give, 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 but you need to be honored for the things that you do. And in doing so, I sit um, at a round table with other women to, uh, for, for me to influence and for those to, to influence me as well. But it's what I really didn't know that I needed until probably I was 47. So that would, um, would have been in 2017. I didn't know that I needed a mentor. I didn't. I didn't know the power of what a mentor could do for me. Mm -hmm. And so my first big mentor is is Academy Award nominee Sam Pollard, right? Sam Pollard is the most decorated African-American documentarian in the entire world, mm -hmm. right? So he's got 74 documentaries. And he's a, at the end, most of the time he did this in the last 30 years, he was a tenured professor at NYU. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, but he's taught me things. He taught me how to think as a producer. He taught me how to think as a director. He taught me, he's the one that told me, go back to school, get your MFA in screenwriting. You're a great storyteller. Right? Mm. I didn't know I needed that. And then that first black, the two black women in my life now mentoring me are Debbie Allen and Robin Roberts. They see me. So it's sometimes I'm all, I understand that um, fame is a two-edged sword and I don't let that move, uh, move me. But it's taken me a long time because I've been shy. You know? So it, it's taken mm. me a long time. And I think the shyness is really, if I'm honest, was fear. Mm. Fear of public failure. If you fail, fail big. <laughs> fail big. And so I'm just not af afraid anymore. And that's my biggest legacy will be you all and my children. <laughs> so. We really do love our students. It's ridiculous. We do love our they students. They don't know. They give us like not great evaluations. Like they just write one word like good <laughs> instead of a sentence. <laughs> they should write the evaluations because they really do help. Can I just take a point of privilege? I wouldn't yes. be here if it were not for probably two people. Constance Penley right here. Mm, Connie. We love her. Thank you for seeing me. Um, and then uh, Chris Jenkins. But they... I was willing to apply, and they were willing to hire me. So um, that's how I got here, and I'm, I'm not as shy. I'm still shy about certain things. But. We are so lucky to have you. Yelena? You? So I've never been shy, <laughs> ever, ever. Wow. I, no, I have not. And <laughs> I'm a little, I'm assertive. Um, and, and, and I have to attribute that to just my, my, my upbringing, my family. Um, as a child, I, I mean, whew, I, I, was a, I was a lot. And then I had to channel that energy. So I credit my family, um, my performing arts background, a place called Freedom Theater in Philadelphia, um, ah. Clark Atlanta University, uh -huh. historically black college and university, where I received my undergraduate degree, whose motto is to find a way or make one. And I have been doing that before I even knew what it meant, or I've been doing that my whole entire life. I've never been afraid to ask for anything, anything I wanted. It's funny because my siblings say, well, you went to Freedom Theater and you did. Well, because I asked. Did you ever ask? Like, <laughs> ask and you shall receive, right? Yeah. Knock and the door will be open. If you don't ask, you won't get. So I believe in asking. Mm -hmm. um, and Good then um, when I went to Ford Motor Company, we always talk about corporate America, but Ford, it helped shape me into mm -hmm. this woman that I am today in terms of exposure, the qualities of life, luxury, wanting to go to the Cannes Film Festival, it kind of instilled that in me. And then I have a cousin who's a mentor, um, got a shout her out since I'm doing it, Antoinette Barksdale. She showed me how to move and shake, how to go somewhere and not have a ticket, say DNC 2008. Meet me in Denver, okay cousin, and we got tickets to get into the, uh, the Democratic National Convention. So 
<laughs> all of those things that have impacted my life that helped me just keep going. And then when I started at Ford Motor Company, I I was I had I had I was teaching. I taught eighth grade French for four years in Baltimore City through Teach for America. And I was teaching in a black school in a black neighborhood with a black principal who I loved, who I would go head to, to head to head with arguing about who's mm-hmm. coming in my class and not. But when I got to Ford yeah. and I started feeling inadequate, he said, do not allow those people to make you feel less than what you are. You come from good stock. And no matter what they say, you are excellent. His name is Dr. Andre Bunley. Mm-hmm. And those things like help me to just keep going no matter how I feel, mm-hmm. whenever I'm feeling down. Like I said, I feel insecure sometimes. I feel inadequate. I feel unworthy. I feel all the things that everyone else feels. But it's the combination of all of those things that I mentioned. And my mother, of course, Ethel Brinkley, I can't forget her. I said family, but I got to give it to my mom. So for me, it's the people who have poured into my life that help me keep going when yeah. I want to stop. It's the people who will never, ever go to can, but will give me $100 if I say, hey, I need $100, who will buy a T-shirt from me when I say, hey, I'm raising money to go to can. Those are the people that's what shapes me. That's help. Those are the things that keep me going when I feel like I don't want to go anymore. Love it. Thank you. You both are so inspiring. Um, I'm just filled up right now and so excited to have had this wonderful night to share with you all. I want to thank you. Will you please help me thank them? You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.com.